Welcome to the Only Dream Big podcast, starring your host, Donnie Bedney. Only Dream Big is a podcast where Donnie will share tips and experiences on different topics, such as acquisition entrepreneurship, human capital, and the future of the workforce. He is the president of PSP Metrics and has been in the assessment and human capital management industry for more than 15 years, with the goal of driving change through people. As your guide on dreaming big, let's hear from the man himself. Uh, And welcome back to another uh, episode of the Only Dream Big podcast. Uh, I am your host, Donnie Bedney, and uh, once again, excited uh, for you all to hear from our next guest, uh, Dr. Gary Williamson, uh, is an organizational psychologist, uh, you know, a, a, a colleague and good friend of mine, uh, and just so excited to be able to learn from him uh, and some of the gems that uh, I, I'm excited about him sharing, uh, you know, with you all today. Gary, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Donnie. It's a pleasure to be here. I always, always enjoy our time together. <laughs> And so, Gary, you know, I know in our uh, pre-conversation about it, I was kind of sharing with you the vision of the Only Dream Big podcast and, you know, uh, being able to give people practical and pragmatic kind of nuggets, you know, to either bring their own kind of personal slash professional dreams to reality, or even uh, as they think about kind of the vision for the organizations that they run, um, you know, bringing that uh, to fruition. And so um, can you start off, because uh, I think this would be helpful, um, you know, to folks just kind of, you know, talking through some of, you know, your background a little bit um, and maybe even starting, <clears throat> um, you know, frankly, it could it could be, you know, as, as far back as you want to, um, you know, in your life. But, um, you know, if, if you want to fast forward to, you know, say the late 80s, early 90s, uh, you know, when you kind of moved into a position as an owner of an organization uh, and then, you know, we're able to kind of <laughs> take uh, this vision, uh, you know, for this organization that you built uh, over the next 30 years, you could start there or, you know, once again, like go back a little bit farther if you want to. Well, Donnie, I should tell you uh, something that you already know that the listeners don't know, and that is I was not originally an, an organizational psychologist. Uh, my original training was was in healthcare, and so I was a hospital psychologist for a number of years, mm. uh, and uh, uh, learned how to do organizational work while I was in uh, the hospital because I, mm. I started to do some work with um, employees as well as with patients, and liked that so much that I decided to do that full time. Uh, and that's when I met the folks at at, the, at this company at PSP, uh, and we we clicked and and hit it off very well. But I really came on as a just an, uh, an organizational psychologist, kind of in training, if you will, uh, mm. here for, for the first year, um, and then uh, was was functioning independently for a few years. And oops, all of a sudden, um, the company had to change. Yeah. Uh, and because the company had to change, we had to change too. And mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is the company had to transfer from being a nonprofit organization into a for-profit organization because we were in jeopardy of losing our uh, 501c3 status that may get a little bit into wow. the weeds but basically sure. we had uh, we had not done enough pro bono work uh, to maintain our 501c3 status and okay. that was a crisis point for the organization uh, what would we wow. do so we mm-hmm. talked with our board of directors about it which were some of the titans of industry here in the country and they said um, 
uh, well, you have a number of options. Uh, there's four different options. One option you have is to buy the company. Um, wow. And so we were we were in a position to to do that. Four of us decided to do that. That was not our original plan. We thought we'd be employees for the rest of our lives of, of this great company. Uh, sure. But we were in a position to take advantage of, of the ownership opportunity. And so we did. And the rest, as wow. they say, is history. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and and that is uh, that is powerful, my friend. I, I mean, um, you know, one of the things I think that you, you know that I'm very very passionate about is, you know, uh, entrepreneurship by acquisition or acquisition entrepreneurship. You know, whatever order you kind of put it in. Um, you know, can can you talk a little bit more about that process, right? And 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 frankly, just the flexibility even. Um, you know, to to uh, have to pivot, right? So we have some business owners, you know, listening, executives, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, and other folks who are employees who, you know, may uh, have a desire to be entrepreneurs at some point. But, you know, in the midst of uh, this chaos, if you will, um, you know, and, and, you know, a really challenging time for the organization, um, you and, you know, some other, uh, you know, some other colleagues kind of, you know, through through wisdom, I guess, of, of the advice that you got, uh, were able to pivot. Um, you know, even even during that time. So I don't know if you can unpack that a little bit more. Um, you know, for us, but I, I think folks would be interested in hearing kind of a little bit more of your thought process for, you know, how you just ended up pulling the trigger. I mean, moving from employee to, uh, you know, owner and stuff like that. Uh, you know, is is not a small leap. Well, pivot is a good word for it. I'm glad I'm glad you, you brought that up. So uh, what I would say is, is we had an established book of business. So we weren't um, uh, really out there taking a huge risk, um, okay. but we hadn't run the show ourselves. Of course, we thought we could run the show ourselves. We had thought that right from the beginning, but we never expected to have the opportunity. But uh, we, we did have this established business. We had a um, a, a reason for, for continuing on. All of us w- liked working together. Uh, okay. We liked the, the staff who supported us in the organization. We felt some obligation to keep them employed okay. uh, as well. So some of that was maybe maybe a little bit of, of selfishness, a little bit of altruism. But we really thought that we could make make the business go. We, we um, uh, were fortunate to kind of stand on the shoulders of some giants who had been in this organization in the past. We wanted sure. wanted to keep that going. We felt that, that the, the mission that we had of, of really uh, building uh, competitive companies uh, was mm-hmm. was a, a viable mission for the future, something that we could see had some some legs to it for the long run. Yeah. Um, so we didn't feel like we were taking a huge risk in doing it, um, okay. although we had to put up our, our homes for collateral. Um, it was um, it was a, it was a uh, not a small risk. <laughs> it was not a small risk, but it was a worthwhile one in that regard. Yeah. OK. OK. And and uh, literally, as we're recording this, welcome back, Sophia. You are back from the park. That is awesome. And and that is one of the organic things that we love about uh, our pod here, uh, folks. You will not, uh, we we always keep it organic. Um, that is fantastic. My daughter, uh, Sophia, who is uh, freshly back from the park. Uh, it is a, a beautiful fall day uh, here in the greater Boston area where we live. Um, and so she went out to the park and was swimming and you know, some other things and uh, just got back. She has her nice little fall boots on. Uh, I will not put her on camera right now, but uh, she looks very cute. 
um, and we are going to eat lunch together um, a little bit. So, so excited, uh, you know, to continue, uh, you know, Gary, and, and hearing about that. I mean, you, you mentioned like, you know, it, it wasn't as much of a risk, and I guess it just I'll translate that, I guess, for for people a little bit where. You know, you mentioned like the existing, uh, you know, clientele and client partners that you that you kind of had, and so it was an existing book of business, which is great. Um, you know, it, as as I mentioned, I mean, uh, collateralizing your house um, is not is not for the faint of heart, uh, and we are not advising anyone necessarily to do that. But I think that um, just kudos go to you uh, and your partners for, you know, not only um, you know, kind of having the vision, but frankly, even just just asking, um, you know, your board and others for, you know, advice, uh, you know, in the midst of that. And I think that that's a major key, uh, you know, for anyone who's listening to this is just, you know, it, it, in, in times of, um, you know, uncertainty, right? And uh, there's nothing wrong with, you know, uh, finding experts, um, you know, or people that you trust, people who care about you, you know, kind of have a vested interest um, you know, in you who can give you advice. Uh, and I love the way that you said that there were like four options, right? So to be able to kind of consider, you know, multiple options, but then, uh, you know, make a choice as far as the direction that you were going to, you, know, you were going to move in. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think I said, I, I don't know if I've ever said this on an episode, but I will repeat it. Um, I find that, uh, at least in my own life, uh, and I think I think through this from the perspective of alignment, right? Uh, and when I am in alignment, um, you know, on something from a dream or a vision perspective, um, I can take one step forward, and a thousand things will happen, right? And if I'm in misalignment, I can take a thousand steps, and nothing will happen. Mm-hmm. So can can you can you talk about that and in some of like how how maybe you've seen something similar like you know kind of manifest itself in your life and maybe even just keeping it you know with with uh, the story of you know this organization that you built and how you know once you all took that step you know what are the things that began to you know happen as a result of you taking over the company and shifting it from a five hundred one c three to a for profit entity. So, so obviously we had to focus on, on uh, continuing to generate income uh, mm-hmm. for the company, uh, to continuing to do, to do what was bringing, bringing in, the, in the, the dollars, so to speak, while mm-hmm. uh, starting to do more of the things that we liked to do. Um, okay. You know, one thing I would say uh, to, to anybody listening is um, if, if you're going to try to take a business in a different direction, um, you have to think about a couple things. You have to think about what you're good at. And um, and so we were good at certain things. Some of those things had been kind of um, uh, unused or or maybe on the shelf at PSP Metrics um, in in, uh, before we were able to take over the company. So uh, we were able to start doing some things that we were good at. And one of the things we were good at was was making products, innovating things, coming up with with new tools of various kinds. And what we learned along the way is um, uh, just because you you build it, it doesn't mean they will come. (laughs) <laughs> and, and so and so we had we had to learn somewhat the hard way um, to to listen to our customers and what they needed and what they wanted mm. rather than what we wanted to do. 
Um, and so I would just say to to anybody else who's who's thinking uh, thinking about pivoting a business, yes, you do need to think about what you're good at, but you also need to think about what the market needs. Mm, that's huge. Yeah. Um, just to repeat that for everybody, so so not just thinking about you know what you're good at, what your core competency, you know of your business uh, of of what your business currently is, but also the market needs. So what are your clients telling you? Uh, that they need, and frankly, I mean, maybe maybe some of that, uh, Gary. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Is also anticipating like where the market is going based on feedback from your clients as well. Well, that's right, and that feedback component you just mentioned is key uh, because if you're just trying to think about where the market is going on your own, um, you're going to be mistaken uh, much of the time. And uh, you know, our our uh, graveyard, so to speak, at PSP Metrics is littered with with three or four different products that we invested heavily in developing because we really liked them. We thought they're really good. We thought yeah. the market would want them, but the market, uh, we didn't really consult the market beforehand. You know, yeah. we were yeah. psychologists, not marketing people. And so, mm. you know, live and learn uh, in those yeah. kind of in those kind of ways. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's that's so strong, especially, you know, in a time like we live in now. I mean, if, if, when you think about um, you know, the internet and, you know, the fact that whether through social media or anything else, I've heard somebody, multiple people say that, you know, when you have a concept, right, even a podcast or, or something else, the, the instantaneous feedback, right, um, you know, from people that you can get, um, you know, folks will listen or they won't, right? Folks will buy your product or they won't. Um, you know, and, and I, I think that it's, it's such an interesting cycle um, you know, that businesses and entrepreneurs and others find. Um, and so definitely encourage folks that, um, you know, take that advice uh, from Dr. Williamson uh, as you're thinking about, you know, clients getting that that feedback specifically from people who you believe are going to, you know, buy or have the power to influence buying of whatever your product is. Uh, I think that that's really, really powerful. Um, so, so, you know, the, the kind of tagline of, of, of our pod is, you know, of being able to drive change through people or driving change through people, right, Gary? And, and you mentioned, um, you know, actually, as you guys were taking over, you know, some of the responsibility you even felt for, you know, the current team and, and individuals who supported you all. Um, you know, can you talk through, you know, just the importance of, you know, having a strong team um, you know, and, and, and once again, kind of in, in taking that step from individual contributor kind of into a leadership role, um, you know, the power of being able to, you know, maybe cast a vision, you know, but then also once again, to be able to drive that change through the people and component. And, and individuals that are on your team. Uh, and how important that that you know kind of aspect was in the success of your company. That aspect was huge for us. Um, uh, we we couldn't do it ourselves for sure. Um, the, the 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 support team, whether we're talking about our administrative staff, our our um, assessment coordinators, our our IT people, um, mm -hmm. are all people who um, I think share a couple qualities that are really important for for our success. Mm -hmm. um, one of those qualities is these people are reliable. Okay, mm -hmm. we can we can count on them. Now we practice what we preach. So we, you know, we're an employment testing company. So we test everybody that we hire, and and we we hire people who are reliable. 
Um, yep. And as people retire or move on in their lives, we try to replace them with reliable people. But the other thing that, that these folks have that is so important is they are adaptable. Um, mm. So they're not just locked into one way of doing things. Nothing that we do here at PSP Metrics is the same as what we did 10 years ago. Mm. Every, everything has changed uh, over time sure. uh, for lots and lots of reasons. And so you need people who can adjust, who can adapt. The vision yeah. is still the same. Okay. We're still trying to build competitive companies, but yep. the way we go about doing that is so different than what it was 10 years ago. Yep. Um, and it'll probably be different in the next five years, maybe in the sure. next three years, because things, so we, we need people who, yes, we can count on, but we need people who can adjust and people who are adaptable. And that's really been, I think, one of the keys to success here is making sure that we bring those right, those kind of people on board at, at all levels of the company. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to I want to stick you know with that a little bit in this concept of of building competitive companies, right? And and you've been in the space for a number of years, and I, I know PSP has been around since 1946, right? So 75 years, uh, you know, of, of helping and answering this question of fit and helping build competitive companies. And so, uh, for for our listeners who are you know building organizations, right, and thinking about you know, at, at, we're at a time where I believe the talent pool is deeper and wider than it's ever been, right? And so can, can you talk through the importance, right, when, when there's so much talent out there, um, you know, of, of having a way to be able to identify that talent, um, you know, and, and, you know, maybe even some tips on, you know, steps that folks can take as they're, as they're thinking through you know, how do we actually make sure that the talent that we either currently have on the team is the best talent, right? In order for us to be competitive. Um, and if, if, if that is the case, um, maybe, maybe secondarily then, you know, also how do we go about, how do we go out into the market and identify individuals who are going to maybe increase the level of uh, competitiveness that we can have in the market? Well, you know, you're, you're singing my song right now because this is what we do for a living uh, here at PSP Metrics. So I, I appreciate that very much. But um, I think the, the important thing is to um, uh, do what we call a talent inventory or talent landscape of the people that you already have in the organization. What, what strengths do we have? What shortcomings do we have? Nobody's perfect. We need to know where we're strong. We need to know where we need to get stronger on a person by person basis. Uh, in the organization, so so we think we think doing some kind of of, of inventory of our existing people in, is really important, um, okay. and then we can fill in those as we as we hire more people. If we have gaps, we can fill in with those people. We use the same kind of instruments to screen people uh, who are inbound, people who are trying to join our company, as we use with people who we already have on board. So, okay. so really, really doing an apples to apples type, type of comparison. But we like to measure several different kinds of things. Uh, now, we think we think interviews are important, too. We think it's important to know what a person has already achieved in their career. So those tools are still being used, too. But the only uh, real objective tools you have, the only tools that, that are, are um, ones where you can compare people to others mm-hmm. um, are tests. Um, yeah. Now, not all tests are created equal, but but there are different categories of tests that we would recommend for employers to use. One of those categories is to measure uh, aptitude. What what kind of uh, ability, what kind of knowledge does a person have right now? What kind of ability do they have to learn more uh, in the future? Okay, so aptitude would be one area to assess. We think work behaviors and work habits are really important to take a look at. 
Uh, we have ways of measuring those things in a very objective way. Um, we need to know um, at our company if people can handle stress and pressure, if they're good time managers, if they can get along with other people in the organization. As I said a minute ago, if they're adaptable and reliable, um, if they have enough drive to kind of keep on going. So, mm -hmm. so those kind of behavioral qualities we think are very important regardless of what uh, specialty a person is working in. Yeah. Um, we have learned, uh, obviously, through our, our history with, with Dr. Fred Herzberg, that motivators are important. Mm -hmm. And so we, we are able to assess the kind of rewards and a person likes. Um, yeah. And then you can decide if you have those motivators available in your organization. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we're able to measure that as well. And then for managerial level people, we can measure their, their knowledge of how to supervise. We can measure their management style. So those mm -hmm. are the main things that we can measure and we can uh, provide our customers and, and your listeners with those kind of tools to use in addition to the traditional methods of interviewing people and checking references and looking mm -hmm. at resumes. And so when you think about a tool like that, I mean, I, kn I know that, uh, you know, there's a number of organizations that still, you know, either have never used assessment or maybe just haven't had um, you know, as as, uh, uh, as as great of an experience, maybe even using an assessment. And so can, can you talk through, I guess, um, you, you've clearly talked through some of the benefits and I'm sure as you've been describing kind of the, um, I'll say the definitions, right, of things that, that um, we can uh, identify within individuals, which I believe are powerful. Um, can you talk through a little bit about, you know, kind of the, the hiring process, right? And so as organizations think about where is the best way to kind of you know, or, or place to identify those things, right? Is it, you know, before you ever meet the person? Um, you know, is it after you've already met the person and you just want to learn more about them, right? So like after a first interview, um, you know, and, and maybe you can answer it in, in a couple of ways. One is maybe, you know, what is the recommended or is there a recommended time frame? Because uh, you referenced like also using it potentially as like a development tool or even just as a, in, a way to increase knowledge about existing employees. So do, do you find, you know, as you're looking across markets and you can even reference specific industries if you want, um, you know, is there kind of a, a, a recommended place uh, to assess? Um, you know, and if so, where is that? Yeah, I think it's a good question, Donnie, and I think it's going to vary from uh, uh, industry to industry. I also think it's going to vary a lot with the level of the employee in the organization okay. um, uh, and the amount of information that, that the, the customer, the hiring manager uh, needs and wants. So, for instance, in manufacturing, when we're assessing people for, for hourly positions in manufacturing companies, we're fairly early in the game. Uh, uh, we have low cost tools that can be used to find out about a person's aptitudes or about their work behaviors, for instance, um, uh, a test that may take an hour for, for an applicant to get through. Um, sure. They can do it online at their convenience anywhere in the world. Um, and those those kind of uh, assessments generally are done fairly early, usually after the application is made, but before yeah. the first interview. And, Got it. Okay. Uh, if, we're, if we're seeing a, a managerial level person, uh, just to make a contrast, for instance, um, we would probably get involved in, in a midpoint in the, in the screening process, maybe after they've uh, had one initial interview, maybe after they've done some background checking and things like that. Um, okay. 
and uh, then then they would like us to to assess that person uh, prior to the final interview so they can drill down further on some of the things that that emerge in the assessment some questions that okay. remain unanswered um, for the executive executive level person we're probably getting involved re- really late in the game mm. probably probably almost almost the last thing that gets done at an executive level is an assessment like this uh, because those executive assessments are very time consuming um, and executives time of course is, is precious as is everyone's time but sure. to to make that kind of investment uh, which would also involve not just uh, taking online tests but also involved in an interview with one of our industrial psychologists here at PSB metrics um, mm-hmm. feedback to that person about their their own personal test results you know, for that kind of time commitment, that's usually something that's reserved for a higher level uh, and late in the game. Got it. That is that is super helpful, um, my friend, just to you know be able to walk folks through you know how they should be thinking about it and and to be able to think about it not just based on the industry that they're in, um, you know, but also the level of the individual. Um, I think that's helpful, um, you know, to, to kind of help folks think through that. Um, you know, I, I, I'll say that we're, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of winding down, um, you know, our conversation today. I wish that we could, you know, we might have to figure out a way to uh, almost just have a, a an education, you know, kind of corner or a tidbit, uh, you know, on, on talent uh, on a monthly basis or something. Gary, Gary's talent corner. Um, <laughs> maybe we can do it uh, quarterly or otherwise, but um you know, as you continue to think about the future, right? And so I, 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 I kind of, you know, referenced this earlier, but we know that, you know, we're in a in, in a really unique time, right? And and uh, some of our listeners has heard me say, you know, I really believe that we're living through uh, what we're going to view as a black swan event. Um, you know, by by 2030, looking back on this time, and and you know, it's catalyzed by a global pandemic and. You know, here in the U.S., you know, but some social unrest and you know some other things, and all of those, uh, all of those pieces combined have just created a very unique time. Uh, that, frankly, as you think about, you know, workers and um, you know companies, and now people starting to come back into the office, and other folks have hybrids. Um, you know, other folks have gone completely remote, right? Um, you know, how do you see? You know, what is the role that you know talent you know kind of kind of plays once again in, in in this theme of building competitive companies um you know and and, and how should companies um you know kind of view assessment um you know as potentially a um let's just say kind of a, you know as part of their secret sauce right um you know to to identify, you know, we, we know that people are going to be, you know, seriously kind of the biggest competitive advantage that any company, you know, can have. And so as you think about the future, you know, what, how should people be thinking about talent, um, you know, over this next, you know, five to 10 years? Well, I would say, I, I'm glad you asked that question because I've been thinking about that myself for our own company, uh, as well as for our customers. And, and here's what I've come down to so far, and, and this may change over time, but right now, here's what I'm thinking. I think right now, invest in people before you invest in technology. And mm. I'm a big fan of technology. Obviously, that that's that's uh, uh, catapulted our business into into uh, territory we never thought we could get to. So mm. so so technology is is big, eh? but uh, but you, the human element is bigger still. And so I, I think I think it's important that that uh, your listeners be reminded of that. They may know that already. 
but but in, invest in people first because as you just said a minute ago they are the main competitive advantage uh, everybody sure. can get the technology okay mm-hmm. not everybody can get the people mm-hmm. uh, and and yeah. so that that's what really matters uh, to me moving forward uh, in terms of working with our own team as well as with our customers that's huge that's huge so invest in people before technology uh, in, in a technology age I think that's uh, sometimes a uh, uh, a stretch for folks, but um, that that is a powerful way to kind of end our conversation today. So, Dr. Gary Williamson, my friend, uh, you know, colleague, just a, a pleasure to uh, you know kind of record uh, you know one of our conversations. We've had a, a number of them, you know, over some time now, and so uh, excited to continue uh, having these in the future. But um, you know, really appreciate you for being on today. Um, and taking the time, uh, I know that folks are going to find some nuggets, uh, you know, as a result of you sharing today. And, uh, you know, for everyone else, hey, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Uh, this has been the Only Dream Big podcast. We'll uh, see you next week. If you like today's podcast, tune in to our social media to get updates on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, at Only Dream Big Inc. uh, and hit the subscribe button below. That's all for today, folks. See you next time.